0: Welcome back to the Working That Is Chrononaut Chronicles podcast. Uh, my name is Bill. I am host of this endeavor, this working, and the uh, it, this is sponsored by MysticalWares.com, and that is Derek Condit's story. He is here with us this evening, along with two other prime chrononauts. We will hear from them in just a moment. But taking a quick look at the old Farmer's Almanac. I can see that on Tuesday, the Moon and Venus are conjunct. Wednesday, the Moon and Mars are conjunct. And then on Thursday, nothing planetarily, but there are some happenings in regards to feast days. Uh, Shabbat begins at sundown in the Orthodox Christian Church. This is Ascension Thursday. And there's also the Saint of Saint, or feast day of St. Bede, which uh, ties into a synchro we'll get into later. but. That aside, the the next segment that we do on this show after after just taking a quick look at the almanac is has to do with gratitudes. So we all share uh, something that makes us joyful, and there is a challenge behind each of these segments on the show. There's three three main segments: the gratitude one, and then we have the new business in the second, in the middle of the show, and then at the end we try to do something inspirational. And each of these segments are issued with a challenge. Uh, something that i challenge myself to do really and for anybody else that wants to partake it's awesome uh, i've gathered other like-minded people such as my both as other chrononaut primes here so uh to to kind of walk us through the steps uh, in this in this first the this this working right so the first half is uh, excuse me the first half has to do with gratitude like i said before and uh, the challenge is to perpetuate that 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 state right we're not just getting on here to talk about it once and then be done with it but we want to live within the bubble of gratitude right and then the second second main section is a continuing uh, continuing education just learning something new like what did uh, what did we learn since we last talked to each other or or maybe something uh occurred uh, in your life that led to a new development right so new new business is what i've been calling it and then the third is a meant to inspire action right to uh, remind us of who we are and that we are capable of many many miraculous things so uh, with all that being explained gratitude yeah i will i'll kick us off because i don't know if i've used this before but um, my gratitude this week was going to be chiropractors Cairo. that's an interesting word in itself but uh yeah i i had an old injury come up on my back just from coughing incorrectly and i uh was down and out for about two days before i could get back in to the to see the doctor chiropractor he fixed me right up i get to go back tomorrow but uh yeah it was pretty pretty not to uh you know complain or anything but it was pretty painful i think i was nauseous for a little bit um couldn't really sleep for for a night and uh yeah but all better now and thank god for chiropractors <laughs> you gotta find a good one though that's i've I've had you know experiences with more than one right so you uh yeah do you do your research first if you're gonna go and uh start that kind of treatment but i've talked since the beginning of the show i'd like to kick it off to somebody else to share a gratitude anybody want to jump in possibly Derek.
1: sure yeah i can jump in um uh, and I hope, the, I hope there's not an echo on this podcast right now. I've been messing with the audio back here, but I want to say my gratitude, um, I'm kind of with you on that one, Bill, as far as uh, chiropractors, because I have uh, several chiropractor friends around here that are just phenomenal individuals to know and to be around and to get to work with at times because of how they are aware of energy um, and they do muscle testing and things like that. So no, I'm, I'm with you on the chiropractors and then of course personal help as well. But I'm going to give... My gratitude's actually, for the first time, oddly enough, to an individual. And it's an author. So it's Richard Bach. Um, and I actually found out that he lives out here. He's in his late 80s now. Um, out here on Orcas Island, so in my neck of the woods. And he wrote a bunch of books um, back, way back when in the 70s and whatnot. And some of them would be um, Illusions or um, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Um, so, and he's, uh, again, uh, so he's an author for those that don't know, I won't get too much into it. You can, you know, search engine them later and look into it. And there's a lot of books. It's Richard Bach, B-A-C-H. And when you think of, and there's even a movie on, uh, you, I think it's on YouTube somewhere on Jonathan Livingston Seagull that talks about a bunch of seagulls, but that's not what it is. It's, there's a lot to the story. So he speaks around things on multiple levels or layers, you can say. So and then there's a lot of audio readings of some of his work, um, and again, if, if to the to the quick eye reading the names of the books, um, it, there a lot of them don't make sense, um, or, or some do. So it just depends. But I'd say be open to it. Um, even the Ferret Chronicles, which is one of them, and yep, it's about a family of ferrets. But when you start reading these things, um, and or you see the movie version of the Jonathan Livingston Siegel. There's a whole lot of aha moments in there that not only myself but you know who knows countless others have over the decades. Um, so kind of a you know shout out a a, a gratitude for an individual like that to share their understandings with with all of us. And it's one of the last add on is it's one of those things where you can read and pick any one of the books and there's a lot of them. Um, you can read them a second, third, fourth time, and you're going to pick up more stuff every single time. More of those breadcrumbs or synchronicities um, and even now i do that so that's that's my gratitude
0: that's awesome i have read a few of his books actually i was just sharing with my mother yesterday the ferret chronicles
1: uh, are you kidding yeah see there again bill and i didn't set this up so i mean how many people talk about the ferret chronicles or even say that on any given day let alone you the day before i want a podcast so I would take that, and again, synchronicity, everybody listening out there, that it's not random that, that Bill's talking to that about his mom, and, um, and I'm sure others have input on the show too, but yeah, so that's that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I guess I need to buy her a copy or let her borrow mine. i just was sending her a picture of, of the book, so she hasn't actually read it yet, but yeah, definitely worth checking out. Also related to uh, Johann Sebastian Bach, the composer, correct?
1: Oh, that is correct. I, didn't, I forgot about that. That's, uh, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, see, like I said, Richard's supposed to live out here in a nearby island. we got a bunch of islands up here. Um. So, um. and I, his um, propane guy, his propane guy came into Mystical Wares and said, you remind me him, like, I know who you're talking about. He goes, well, I'll chat with him. His daughter's taking care of him up here. I'm not getting too much in the story. Uh, and then, so, I don't know, he let us, he let Richard know about Mystical Wares. That doesn't mean he's going to come running, knocking on our door. But that's pretty cool how yeah that's all ties together and his propane guy wanders in
0: here. That is cool. That is so cool. Ben, did you have a gratitude?
2: Well it's it's funny. That little synchro chain. I took note of the Ferret Chronicles. Um Box been a a favorite author and um not all of a sudden grateful for Derek reminding. Me of Jonathan Livingston Seagull. That was a influential book for. Um, I don't know, a couple years. I carried that one around and uh, let people borrow it, and then got into some pretty deep discussion. It was a great one to have around, so I'm grateful for that reminder. Um, initially, I was going to be grateful for um, leisure time, and uh, more specifically, my hammock because i suppose um uncoincidentally i also in uh had an old injury of my lower back show up this week um kind of forcing that that leisure time to recover and uh, i find a hammock and that sort of weightlessness to be a, a big help uh in how i i heal that injury it's been a while since it popped up and uh yeah sort of forced some change. so I uh, ended my season of dock building and uh, carrying heavy stuff around for a living. and uh, while wow, healing up this this injury, I uh, am sort of plotting the new course, which is still sort of an unknown and sort of exciting in that I don't know where I'm going next, but I'm going in a few days. So, we'll see what happens.
0: That is exciting. We will be along for the ride. If you want to check in with us on Mondays, uh, although I don't know if we will be here next Monday, though, because it is Memorial Day. So, I was kind of thinking that we would just take a break because I know I I will be traveling out of town for a wedding. So I don't even know if I'll be here.
1: So. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, let's take a pause for next week and. You back
3: up. awesome and
0: that leaves chrononaut adam who is here with us all as well adam what's up buddy not much
4: yeah i um my gratitude is the uh prevalence of myth ancient stories and how they continue to just uh they're in everything everything is steeped in it very successful things whether it's you know star wars or harry potter and uh, particularly right now my mind is you know in the world of harry potter i'm just picked up a hogwarts legacy and it's just so beautifully and intricately done in the world and i uh, just you know sitting back and thinking that you know there's so many um ancient myths and stories that she used and pulled from to create that world and those are all the real things that I don't know just breathe life into something else i i find that just endlessly fascinating that there are literally some tales that are older than time
0: that is pretty cool i'm a big fan of myth myself and this ties in perfectly to what i'm going to bring up in the second segment but just on the topic of of myths and and legends I was listening to I forget what on what podcast it was but they were talking about this subject and they brought up the analogy of a tel- telephone like the, the game telephone and how the messages get changed. It's one of my
4: favorite games. I don't think people play it anymore now that you actually have one in yeah. your pocket.
0: No, it's yeah. But but the the uh, the point being that the uh, stories get twisted, right? So all these in my opinion, right? And we'll talk about opinions in the third section but uh these these could be just uh, real real happenings that have been exaggerated right throughout throughout the ages so uh, we just got to pick through oh
4: yeah but i even mean that in just not even deeper on like a jungian um there are just ways that the world is um you know like a story like homer you know these these tales are reiterated and reused throughout everything and there's a reason why uh you know when george lucas you know works with Carl Jung and, and starts pulling these like just there's a reason why it it resonates with people. Um so I don't know it's it's you know it's the biblical tale. It, it doesn't matter whether or not it is intrinsically too true to history per se. Uh but it is a statement that is universally true for being a human being. Um so yeah like you know uh, just the story of Homer like the types of women that you're going to meet the type of people that you're going to meet the situations that there are in the world. Um, so yeah, no, I, I just that, and then taking so many different you know things in history and pulling it together into something just new, like a a brand new thing that overtook culture, and you know people think you know oh, it's Harry Potter, it's just you know, get under the stairs, which is true, and you know there's a lot more of you know just corporate b s on top of it, but I mean, at its heart uh, at its heart, it has just Deep ancient myth. And yeah, I don't know. It's just it's beautiful to think about the beauty that can be reimagined from it.
0: It is. Beauty inspires.
4: Period. Right?
0: Beauty just inspires, which is a good thing. We don't get enough of that in this world, I think. It's pretty
4: exactly, exactly. The idea that if you were to see a flower as you know, a human being in you know, uh, you know, ten thousand years ago or today, it doesn't matter if it's a genius. Or species that doesn't exist or in an environment that's not cohesive today it would still have its own intrinsic beauty. That flower would have its own truth that throughout time would still have the same effect. And so yeah, that's how I kind of see stories that sometimes they can just they can just keep pushing through through time. You know, they'll be here well beyond <laughs> any living life and pulled into some Akashic record.
0: Ben, were you gonna say something about myth? But the uh, what also piques my interest when it comes to this the topic of myth is and st- stories like Homer, right? He wrote about Atlantis, so we have these connections to like real like we know Homer existed, right? Like we know this person was real, but there, there's all this conjecture about Atlantis. So when we have these quote-unquote real people talking about quote-unquote mythical places or, or or creatures or whatever. Like why do we discount that as all that you know you know it's the it's not accepted, it's not accepted by the mainstream or you know Atlantis isn't taught in history schools or history class, right? but uh maybe it should be
2: it's It's interesting how it, I guess how you're looking at myth there, because I'll read the Bible and call that mythology. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people to be upset with me for saying that. But, I mean, it's really, you know, the, the oral history that sooner or later got written down. That is your people's myth, right? So, or legend or whatever. You know, there's so many words you could put to it. But and it all really boils down, in my view, to that hero's journey which it seems like George Lucas and, and, um, Rowling or Tolkien. Yeah.
4: You everybody,
2: know. you know, just yeah. look at all the
4: great literature works of history. Look at just how movies, how film, how people respond to things like there is like, there's something really deep and, you know, who knows until we discover, you know, uh, other beings and communicate directly with them to compare notes on how their stories and myth have prevailed throughout mm-hmm. their society. But there is, there's just a deep core that runs through human beings and what we react to and the hero's journey really is the classic story cuz you know it applies to the to to a human being you know 12,000 years ago the same that it does to today
2: yeah and the, i mean and look at the bible through that lens there's so mm-hmm. many hero's journeys throughout there right and it is that um taking it as myth and metaphor you know for your journey is do that with any story you want to you know you are you you are the one writing your own myth right so where do you get your inspiration it's it's
4: it's not so much a history tale it's an interpretation guide on the Mm. world that you're in hey here's the world you're in it's really confusing here's how some people have dealt with it and there's just some ways in dealing that just work as human beings and it can look into things just like the prisoner's dilemma yeah there's some things that you know, you can kind of prove in, in a way that just always work out to the benefit of, you know, the individuals. And, um, you know, you don't have to think about it too hard because eventually it's just that that the prisoner's dilemma per se is going to be something that if those situations always come up, people would be reacting in the same ways. I don't know. I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated by just. I don't know the, the prevail, like the hero's myth, like why? why is that core storyline like that, like the core of like all things, all great stories that inspire us like that Mm. to me is like, it's, it's something just, I mean, that's, that's part of who we are and we're, we get off on experiencing it. We're being shown, you know, our potential, um, within that. Yeah.
2: Our, our spirit recognizing, uh you know the the wherewithal to keep going and and giving you know yourself a little extra nudge
4: exactly everybody wants the underdog to win the person that's been bullied to you know come back and you know do the right thing the robin hood story like that like like i don't know that's like that's what gets me off so maybe i'm uh, <laughs> i'm projecting onto others
0: well it it is very much a formula right like it's uh an illustration of what don miguel has been talking about with the, the three masteries Like this is an example of somebody who is aware of their position and who they are and what they need to do and they 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 know how they, they know how to accomplish it i mean the story of transformation right they they're not the same when they end when it is when they started right so there's mastery of transformation the mastery of awareness and then Mastery of is well, the, the mastery of of love and, and and of God. So that that would be an illustration that the of, of those three, I would say, and that's it's a pretty good formula to try to memorialize in the stars, which it which it has been. I mean, the Bible that you can make comparisons all day long to the constellations. Dave Matheson, when when Ben and I were at uh, contact at the cabin a few years ago, Dave Matheson did an excellent job.
4: Oh yeah his his work on yeah and that to me is the really deep deep stories of the bible deep into the uh the masonic uh the sacred geometry you know the real core of reality the core of um existence as a human a very long existence a cyclical existence of uh you know a cataclysm and yeah it's well, you know, it's a it's a tale that's never going to end. <laughs> the 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 Bible or a form of that story is going to be in existence for a long, long time. Because I mean, what we trace back, you know, stories in the Bible to you know, one hundred twenty thousand years ago, Mesopotamia, or um, like uh, like the the original like what am I trying to think? Tablets, um, Emerald. Well, no, like the original flood stories. Like it is a pervasive tale that was um, you know, put back into, you know, the Bible. So yeah, I don't know. It's it is really cool to think that there is a a book or a story <laughs> that can last like across time, across civilizations falling and rising, across mankind almost being wiped out. There are some things that are so important, especially in a day before today. I mean, now a book is just, you know, sending an email, but there was a ton of work into recording you know ancient language and then storing ancient language without you know um air conditioners and you know modern equipment for controlling humidity and things like that so um those stories are important they've been they've been the most important things to human beings to preserve we don't have much else but man some of those stories yeah
0: another person that does a good job of decoding stuff like that is marty Leeds. Yep, had him on thirteen questions before too. Maybe we'll, maybe I'll reach out and see if he wants to hang out with us sometime. I'm sure he
4: would. Yeah, and uh, Laird Scranton um, is really, really amazing um, from joining religions together. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. He's a, uh, a he was a computer programmer uh, that decided to uh, kind of look at the Dogon race and write a book on their language and look at languages because he was. From like a computer programming standpoint, really interested in the language and the syntax and the words and how they connect. And then I mean, now he's written so many books now on connecting um, words, symbols, uh, visuals, geometry, stories across cultures. So we're going taking the Dogon and connecting them to the Chinese, connect, uh, connecting them to uh, india within their sacred geometry within the words that they use to ancient egypt and you can see the progression in the change of these core words that sound very similar and are all describing the same things and the same concepts across cultures and yeah he he's a wonderful wonderful researcher uh to look at because he kind of takes all these things spread out throughout um the world and over um different eras in his uh, able to really really tie them together in fact what's most interesting thing about him is the uh the archaeological language um i should say discovered because there's there's uh there used to be a more prevalent i don't know remember the name of a more prevalent uh interpretation of the um hieroglyphs and then there's a more a, a, a modern one that is taught everywhere egyptology by egypt and he categorically says, yeah, a lot of this is, is way wrong. These books are wrong. And I only know that because, hey, when we look at this word, you're saying it means this in Egypt. But I have a word over here from the Dogon or, um, you know, from uh, the Buddhist priests, you know, that is almost exactly the same in syntax or sound and has the same meaning. And also there's a symbol associated with it that visually looks the same. I think you're this is the meaning of the word, not the one you're using. So um, I'm I'm and I, I know David Matheson uh, knows about him. I know they're uh, influenced on each other's work. So yeah, look up Laird Scranton, awesome guy.
0: Yeah, the word the word is very very powerful. It can be used in two different capacities. We can use it to build up or we can use it to destroy. Right, it's a double edged sword. That's a uh, okay. We'll get into that later on the, on the third segment. But uh, my back to back to my kind of my initial thought about finding the, the real like the, the links to like the flood story, for example, like everybody, every culture has one. But then you look at the work of uh, somebody like Randall Carlson, and we can see real world geological evidence of you know, where, you know, where this happened and what, you know, what are the signs that it left behind and in, in these places that it did occur. So like, that That kind of stuff is really super interesting to me. And in my my research of the lives of Catholic saints, which is maybe coming out of left field. but uh, there's something that uh, has been in my life since I was born, the this this religion I was born into it and actually spent some time in seminary and later decided that wasn't for me and you know we won't get into all the details, but now we're now I'm here, now we're here, right? So, but uh, they're they're oh, and uh, to tie it back into last episode, right? We were going to talk about relics. So I have a relic of Saint Anthony de Padua, but I wanted to share uh, a story with everybody about Saint Anthony the Great, which who is a a desert father, so called desert father, lived in you know around the first century A.D. I believe. Hold on. me but uh so the relic I have is not from the story I'm about to share but uh, the story comes from a a book called the Life of Paul Life of Paul the Hermit by Saint Jerome and just as a side note who is Saint Jerome Saint Jerome was the dude that translated the Bible into Latin, which became known as the Vulgate translation so Pretty credible source, right? But this particular story is about an encounter with a satyr and a centaur by Anthony the Great, the Desert Father, or so he's called. And uh, it's it's not too long, so I just thought I would read it. It's pretty pretty accessible to find on the internet. You just type in Saint Anthony and satyr, and it'll it'll pop up. So The, the little exscript says that the blessed Paul had already lived on the earth the life of heaven for a hundred and thirteen years, and Anthony, at the age of ninety, was dwelling in another place of solitude, as he himself was wont to declare. When the thought occurred to the latter that no monk more perfect than himself had settled in the desert. However, in the stillness of the night, it was revealed to him that there was Further in the desert, a much better man than he, and that he ought to go and visit him. So then, at the break of day, the venerable old man, supporting and guided his weak limbs with a staff, started to go. But what direction to choose, he knew not. Scorching noontime came, and a broiling sun overhead. But he still did not suffer himself to be turned from the journey he had begun. So he said, "I believe in my God." some time or other he will show me the fellow servants whom he promised me he said no more this is where it gets interesting all at once he beholds a creature of mingled shape half horse half man called by the poets hippocentaur at the sight of this he arms himself by making on his forehead the sign of salvation and then exclaims Halla it's spelled h o l l o a so I don't know, it's probably not Hala, but <laughs> anyway. Hala, where in these parts, is the servant of God living? The monster, after gnashing out some kind of outlandish utterance in words broken rather than spoken through his bristling lips, at length finds a friendly mode of communication and, extending his right hand, points out the way desired. Then, with, with swift flight, he crosses the spreading plain And vanishes from the sight of his wandering companion. But whether the devil took this shape to terrify him, or whether it be that the desert, which is known to abound in monstrous animals, engenders that kind of creature also, we cannot decide. Anthony was amazed, and thinking over what he had seen, went on his way. Before long, in a small rocky valley, shut in on all sides, he sees a mannequin with hooked snout, horned forehead, and extremities like goat's feet. When he saw this, Anthony, like a good soldier, seized the shield of faith and the helmet of hope. The creature, nonetheless, began to offer to him the fruit of the palm trees to support him on his journey, as it were pledges of peace. Anthony, perceiving this, stopped and asked who he was. The answer he received from him was this. I am a mortal being and one of those inhabitants of the desert whom the Gentiles, deluded by their various forms of error, worship under the names, or under the Gent... I'll start that over. I am a mortal being and one whose inhabitants of the desert, one of those inhabitants of the desert, whom the Gentiles, deluded by various forms of error, worship." under the names of fauns, satyrs, and incubi. I am sent to represent my tribe. We pray you, in our behalf, to entreat the favor of your Lord and ours, who we have learned came once to save the world, and whose sound has gone forth into all the earth. As he uttered such words as these, the aged traveler's cheeks streamed with tears. The marks of his deep feeling which he shed in the fullness of joy he rejoiced over the glory of christ and the destruction of satan and marveling all the while that he could understand the satyr's language and striking the ground with his staff said woe to you alexandria who instead of god worships monsters woe to you harlot city unto which have flowed together the demons of the whole world what will you say now Beasts speak of Christ, and you instead of God worship monsters. He had not finished speaking when, as if on wings, the creature fled away. And St. Jerome ends. Let no one scruple to believe this incident. Its truth is supported by what took place when Constantine was on the throne, a matter of which the whole world was witness. For a man of that kind was brought alive to Alexandria. And shown as a wonderful sight to the people, afterwards, his lifeless body, to prevent its decay through the summer heat, was preserved in salt and brought to Antioch, that the emperor might see it. So that last little part is that uh, they had taken one of these creatures into the city of Alexandria, and apparently it it died, and they kept the body. So uh, accounts of saints, satyrs, and centaurs. So, uh, I guess, well, first of all, first impressions from anybody before I ask questions.
2: Actually, can you read that list again of uh, the accompanying spirits?
0: fauns, satyrs, and incubi,
2: that list? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's a ragtag bunch, let's say.
0: Right. Right. So this this creature is saying that he has a tribe of these other creatures, right? So this is another society then that we share the earth with, which is what I'm taking it for anyway.
2: Yeah, that's how I was was seeing that.
0: What I also thought was interesting was that uh, when, so he he comes across the, the centaur first, right, and they can't really understand each other, but they they get the point across. And then he speaks to, the satyr. But when what the, the word used, and this just might be bad translation, but he said that he perceived, when, the thing was giving him fruit, right. So it's not like he he didn't see it. He just perceived it. Mm -hmm. which i thought was interesting because that's a word that derek often emphasizes is Mm -hmm. perceiving with different or chakras essentially
1: uh senior uh so i'm search engineering um a seder because i wasn't quite sure what we were talking about some of these things you know because a lot of entities or energies go by different names, of course, in different, you know, societies, cultures, you know, different. So that's, it looks like, I don't What even know what to say on this thing, but what I'm looking like, maybe a goat-like blend of a man. Is that, am I looking at the right image yeah. here? Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. So okay. a seder would be like a, a goat, uh, two 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 legs, as opposed to a centaur, which is half man, half, half horse, four legs. So, horse from the the waist down would be centaur. Goats from the waist down would be a satyr or a fawn or an incubi. I think these are synonyms for the same creature.
2: Yeah, right. and, or like a puck in some places. What, uh, what was the what's this kid's story about the la uh, the wardrobe right in oh, yeah, Narnia? Right the their world. their their guide their guide is a half goat half Mr. human. Thomas, yeah. That guy, yeah, that's uh, another
1: synchronicity because I just watched that movie. I don't know, a week or two ago. Uh, yeah, with some young. Yeah,
2: people. and I mean, I've run into those in the woods before. Um, it's it is much like you you know you're sharing space with with them once you're able to perceive these energies. Um, it is kind of like living in a bigger city than you thought you were.
0: So, w- would these be then interdimensional, like Bigfoot, or are these? Well, he says that he's immortal. My head is ringing. Okay, am I? But uh, it says he says he's a mortal being. So I'm assuming that they're not. They're they they, you know.
2: They're
1: more mortal. Okay, it's relative because, and now I don't use the word dimension. Think density. Of course, I think we've talked about it. So it's more of a, you know, it's all here in the same space, just like FM or AM radio. So it's not another place away. It's just a different frequency, vibration, or density. So they're here, and they're mortal in their own level or density. But by the way, these densities, there's not a hard, and nobody's saying this anyway, there's not a hard cutoff anyway. It's called per metaphysical perception. We pick up on the other levels. When I do the whole medium thing, that's all I'm doing, is I'm holding a certain frequency around me, hitting a different density that other entities are, <clears throat> excuse me, are more physical on that density than ours. So it's kind of like, are they physical? Well, yeah, from their perspective. I mean, you know, it's all relative. Um, but yeah, those fawns and different creatures, and it's, um, are on a different density but sasquatch and it's not all encompassing anyway they're not all um other densities they're here physically trucking around i gave that story for about my dad walking up on one and that one um could not go into inner density i don't know if there's a word for that switched in they can't all do that it's like saying oh all humans are um Uh, how do you say that i would say psychics i mean technically yes but they're usually not aware of it so it that goes the same way that same understanding crosses over into that so when i communicate with sasquatch or whatever it's not like they're all that way um not that i've seen that's for sure or same thing with the what people call ets they think oh they're all ets they're all advanced i'm like no no that's not always the case and they're not all psychics by the way and a lot of people not that anybody here is saying that but i have had situations where people say, well, they got the little spaceship. They're all psychics. They've all reached level, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, that's not the case. And I have interactions. He's, that's not the case. And i remoted in on some of those. And I don't know how much you want to get into that on a ship for during a session. And they didn't all spin around and look at me. There was like one on the ship that even knew my ears are just totally staticky right now. It's really weird. Um, uh, that even perceived my air quotes here energy entering the ship what i call you know what can be called remote perception not just remote viewing um and i didn't know about that i haven't read a book on that so i don't know if people are talking about it but it's yeah it's it can be done so yeah they're they're <clears throat> multi-density depending on you know who they're interacting with so that's why some people will see a sasquatch and some won't they're it it just varies is all
0: so it sounds like maybe this particular Seder that anthony had the run-in with was quote-unquote more advanced one of the one of the ones that could you know
3: recognize or the, environment.
1: the environment can affect that too so i've been like some people say well this place has a heavy energy and i don't mean heavy and bad but denser well then yes other um radio stations will blend in those areas if that makes sense i don't you know i don't have a vocabulary for a lot of this um
2: but yeah no that what, and when did you say that anthony was around because from my experience in communications, like the ancient times, the the frequencies were way more free to co-mingle, let's say. So there was a, people absolutely. were aware of a lot more back then because it just was.
1: Oh, yeah, they didn't question. Yeah, they weren't uh, deprogrammed and all the BS. Or so they walked out in nature and they realized and they experienced and they, you know, natural things. And so, oh, yeah, absolutely. The densities were a lot more blended or accessible i guess you can say
0: so just a quick internet search anthony the
2: great was
0: alive from between 251 and 356
2: yeah there was a lot less energetic interference and i don't know how to i don't know if i have the language for the 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 densities were it was just a lot more uh free to move back then it wasn't as dense as you know we experience i guess
1: well we're we're straight up sitting being uh kind of you know not literally but kind of held in the third density we were we're fifth and, You know even these words are hard to work with but fifth density i guess you can say um but we're being held in uh the third reality down doesn't mean you're stuck in it you have to realize it then you wake up past it so right.
2: right you know that um yeah and i'm 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 also hearing that uh our concept of time is much different than it was then so didn't have <laughs> didn't have machine time interfering with the flow of of existence right
1: Yep. Nope, no. Nope, absolutely. Oh yeah. Time and I've done that. The the impossible things with that were you know, hearing about time, listening to scientists so and so whatever explaining that it doesn't exist. It's a perception, and I'm not. Gonna, and we all know that. Everybody listening here too. Um. So I won't bore you with that. But when I had my own aha moment sitting in that, because I literally had, I mean, I'd almost two decades in one of my careers where I got to. You know it was a visual job so i got to hear a lot of audio so then i just went crazy for listening to audio this that and the other questioning everything um and then usually flip-flopping 20 times coming back around so i had a lot of time to put towards all this um and realize and then test it and what i'm talking about now is yeah the psychic thing or the time thing and i, I would use those examples where i'd hear some podcaster or some video or some documentary say it's all in your head well I'm such an OCD kind of guy. They go, well, of course it is. And then I would do that jump, meaning I'd leave. And it would be, I'll go quickly here, a set time from A to B to get to work that night. And then I would imagine myself landing at this certain stop sign that I knew. And there was nothing, it was a highway. So it was a set speed limit. Nothing else adjusted there. And I could literally chop off, let's just say, 10 minutes, which is impossible because I was cruise control. I'd go that OCD. I would just set it. And I was a graveyard shift guy, so I didn't have traffic. Again, there were no other moving parts in this math problem other than what was going on literally in my head. So I was literally crazy as hell, which might be the case anyway. I don't care what they said. But when the time thing changes and you can record it and see it, well, then you open up your reality and you realize, oh, wait, I'm not crazy. Reality is malleable. We can adjust these things and, and do that. And then I, I would do that. And all, you no, know, not on show for people. And it should be just my own thing. I'm like, oh my God. And have those aha moments or oh shit moments and
2: go from there. Yeah. I've, I've actually ex- been experimenting with the idea that, you know, every reality exists simultaneously and you can jump a timeline. I think is, is what most people are talking about these days. Um, but I've, I've had three different timekeeping devices running on the dashboard on one of those lonely desert drives. And you really get into that, you know, it's a meditative state. And if you're setting intention, um, you can feel these energetic shifts. And then if you pay attention, you know, the, Uh, clock on the dashboard versus the watch on my wrist which is an old analog you know wind up watch and the clock on the phone are now five minutes different than they were an hour ago or whatever and you know the mileage changed or something like that so yeah you can definitely play around with it and end up on a different trajectory i guess
0: that reminds me of a story i was reading earlier this week about uh these three newly recruited boys in the british navy during world war ii and they were doing a training exercise a land survey I think it's what it's called Derek you might be familiar with this but you have to plot certain you've dropped off in a location you don't know you're not familiar with and you have to plot certain points with, on certain coordinates and then you, you report back to your commander and he checks to see if it corresponds to the area that you should have been in and in this case is it Am I getting that right, Derek? Does that sound familiar? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, there's lots of fancy terms to teach us shooting azimuth and all that. Basically, just terrain or navigation training sounds yeah. like.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, these three British soldiers had approached this village, and on the outskirts of the village, they could hear the church bells ringing, and there was smoke coming out of the smokestacks. And, you know, but you could tell that there were people there, and it was alive. And they get closer and, and closer to the village, and then all of a sudden, the the church bell stops ringing and they and they, they're in the village and they they look around and they, well, they can't see the church anymore and all these buildings look hundreds of years older than what they were expecting right it's like they had uh, crossed over some weird time bubble into s- some time in the, the medieval time period because of the construction of these buildings were were very very old but the other weird thing was that the, the, the stream that was running through this little town stopped moving. The wind stopped moving. The ducks that were that were in the stream weren't moving. So everything was silent. And uh, they, they investigated a, a butcher shop. They, they peeked their, their heads in the windows and they saw some hides that were up being tanned or whatever, but they had looked you know very moldy and old and uh, the door to the butcher shop was green, which they thought was weird, so they kind of get freaked out at this point, and they exit you know the other side of the town, they get out of town, and they're they're running they're running away at this point, and they get to the top of the hill, the next hill, and they turn around and they can see the church tower again, and the smoke from the smoke stacks back, and the bells are ringing, and everything is like it you know normally should have been, and they go back to report. You know what happened to their commander and the commander's like well you saw the town right like, okay so he discounted it he didn't really care that much but it sounded like they uh time hopped back 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 in time in the past but it was frozen like a picture
1: i've a moment or two like that like a matter of seconds um where it's like you know like you know i jokingly called it a glitch in the matrix i'm like what just enough to catch my bearing like what in the heck is going on and then all of a sudden it's like it's reset Uh, but not where i'm wandering you know dream state stuff like that i think we can all do that um but yeah that's interesting that that, uh, you know that can be a lots of things i can imagine i'm sure lots of people um vortexes which is just a a pocket of energy things like that um you I mean, some people say, well, this one leads here to there. It's really a frequency thing. So it's um, you have to tune yourself to match the frequency of what you want to perceive. That's how you communicate with others as well. You just match that. I'm sure there's a 20-letter name for that in physics that I don't know, but that's really what it is. You just imagine it. You can feel it. And then just, again, reaching on whatever sensory levels you can, physically and metaphysical, and then, you perceive more I and mean, then that's you can do that stuff that's that's a cool story i'm sure ben's done that as well
2: on the remote perceiving stuff yeah and i mean the the whole energy vortex thing on the landscape is um was pretty amazing for me um a lot of people go to sedona for that and when i got to sedona i just wasn't feeling it and so i kept driving and then found where i ended up camping out for a couple of weeks and then found out i was a couple miles above another one that was sort of recently put on the map and uh there was definitely a a shift in what was perceptible around there for sure and i think it was just kind of juicing up my abilities to, to perceive it as well
0: Yeah, that, that's the other interesting thing about the St. Anthony story is that he was in the desert. Like, and it's, and if I, I believe if I remember when I researched this the first time, because I just kind of refreshed myself on the story before the show, but uh, he was hanging out in what we know as Greece at this point. And yeah, the uh, the whole thing about meeting your demons in the desert and transforming them into your angels kind of came back into my mind and I know that Miguel talks about that in his Four Agreements book as well
3: are you going to say something
2: and there's something to the desert there's something to the desert you know going into the wilderness is, is one thing and just being in nature and, and perceiving those energies is one thing but when you get in the desert, there's, this, there's a sparseness to it so that when, when I was it is easier to perceive and you can focus in and really tune into that frequency. Um, so I do think there is an important part to getting out into the desert. I'm seeing it more and more um, as I reflect on my time out west. Um, and to be honest, that's kind of the direction my truck was pointed. Or Yeah, actually, literally, that's the direction my truck is pointed now um, as I'm preparing to go off on a journey again. West. Wagons
0: West. I watched Wagons East not too long ago. The comedy movie.
2: Yeah, that's a classic. I think that came... Came through on a YouTube feed of mine, uh not too long ago too. I should watch that. John Candy was amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Weird, weird movie. There was a lot of weird movies made in the seventies, like the Blues Brothers. It's a big cult movie, but it's
4: you know, one of those weird one of the greatest movies of all time. Greatest chase scenes, greatest musicals,
2: greatest tattoos.
4: I want my knuckles tattooed so bad directly from that movie.
2: I highly recommend knuckle tattoos. They uh, they're awesome. But also, I love that movie as well. And it's like, what a what a hero's journey. We're right? on a mission Especially, from God. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of perfect scenarios for the you know, the two the both of them. Right? It had to. It's it's uh, Frodo and Sam oh so yeah speak, yeah it
4: right. is it is yeah it's it's that great journey story but it's man it's just two guys with a simple situation in the life yeah
2: what's important to them and they're drawing the line this is it Yeah, blues well and and, and kind of one playing off the other like the angel and the demon mm-hmm. on your mm-hmm. shoulder kind of thing right so you're you're the guy in the middle when there's when there's that duo team kind of and real life too right
4: with the actors kind of that same yep. dynamic too it's
2: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Does anybody else have anything else for the new business segment? Adam, did you have any... I know that uh, you had shared that you were looking for a new employment.
4: Yeah, I'm still looking for new employment. So if you're hiring, hit me up. Adam P. Loyal at gmail.com.
0: Well, I was going to ask you if, if... I could get your permission, and if you would like, I could do a sigil for you and try to manifest the most uh, perfect.
4: I'm. Mission. I am not. I will never, ever deny free energy.
0: All right. Well, it's settled then. I'm going to make one of those, and uh, I put it. Last time I did one of these, I did. I did one for my brother actually recently to to help him find a new job, and he did. Within... I won't put a number on it because it's not important. But uh Yeah. yeah and
2: Adam, I've I'll check identify, my email tomorrow. <laughs> I identify as the thaumaturge right? Which loosely translated as a Wonder Worker. Um same kinda, I'll throw a little energy at that too. And I'm sure that we uh, between the four of us and five of us in the universe we can whip something up. That's pretty awesome. Right back at you too, man to new beginnings yeah cheers man that's exciting
0: we'll have something to uh actively report back on and keep an eye on in the future um not nothing derek were you gonna say something
1: um no just other than um just a little add-on to that there you're all talking about um as far as so when i i i've changed careers and some some um and different jobs different things a lot of times um what was beneficial for me is well actually i first got in my way of trying to decide what i needed what i this that and the other i needed so much and adam was not saying any of this um i needed this so i again get in my own way and limit myself so when i flopped that around and just realized i would want i'd have hold the thoughts or energy of whatever's best for me now or you know i'd get I'd say whatever is most in alignment with my higher self. Again, the intention behind it's what really matters. So, however your wording goes, um, and then I realized, and then it'd be something else, but it'd be a whole lot bigger, better for me or whatever um, kind of thing too. So, and that wasn't really saying that to Adam because I know he he realizes that too. I'm just kind of adding that in to the show that that was something that I got in my own way of often um, trying to say, well, I need this much money or I need to do, I want this, that, and the other, and I realized, no i'll just chill out hero let's just no not think we can control everything and then when it came in and then just followed the breadcrumbs and synchronicities like we keep talking about um and then here's where i ended up now i'm not in the military anymore i'm not hundreds of feet underwater and i'm not in a prison and by the way those that just joined us i was a correctional officer now well, i was kind of locked up i spent enough time there i feel like it but anyway i'm Dude, at an
4: are you kidding me <laughs>
1: Uh uh-uh. uh yeah. <laughs> oh what you didn't know about that?
4: No 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 I just mean uh like proverbially or uh, proverbially like you're literally in the prison with people who are in prison whose entire world is being confined in a prison mindset like just being around that is going to put you in just a like by proxy prison mindset like you're there too
1: you you get it not many people pick up on that and then i was in the maximum security prison for 16 years so these guys weren't in there for singing too loud in church they were bad guys i need have it like you know a dozen literally serial killers on our unit so then you'd sit down and talk and they're not all behind bars this is prison so it's uh they're well they're walking around and yeah being in that energy and from my perspective the entities the mm-hmm. others around them that are not oh my gosh and that's where i got my um jeez i don't remember the old term but got my um my wings or something where i started learning to swim in the deep end of the pool because yeah
4: bad guy number
1: one would have you know four friends with him it was it was crazy environment
4: well and it's got i i I, at the same time probably had to be pretty amazing that you get to get exposed directly to uh that other just extreme end of human being and being able to experience that uh because it teaches you so much um like when you like. Breaking a clock and seeing how it's broken will teach you how clocks work. And so I'm endlessly fascinated by people that more uh, regular people are scared by. I'm generally more fascinated by than fearful of. Oh yeah. And no, I... that that's got to be a great opportunity we've had.
1: Oh, that yeah. See, you can see it the right way. It was, and again, it's not a, a job for everybody. Um, we get times where the, the it's called the core. They'd come in, the new officers. Long story short, it was a hundred plus year old prison. And the, so big steel bars, just like you'd seen in an old movie. In fact, many movies were um, butterfly effect was recorded there, uh, filmed there. The gates were shut and half, eh, about half 40% would, of the correctional officers, the prison guards, would turn around and leave before they even got through the sally port, it's called. It's that big. So just, yeah, being in that energy and environment and then all of that, it takes a certain, yeah, mindset, we'll just say. And it was educational because... You're, I was there sixteen years. That's a long time, and I'm mean, going to say they're not nicer. So, a whole lot of those years were double shifts. So you're talking sixteen plus hours a day, and so yeah, it was many many years. Um, and and again, you're, you're not separate from these individuals. Uh, you're you're sitting there dealing with them. They're they have to ask you to go to the bathroom half the time. I mean, so you're, you're really an adult babysitter, but it, it was interesting.
0: Was there ever a situation you found yourself in when dealing with with these people where you had to ask for help and i don't mean on a physical level but like on a on a more etheric level like was there like did you were you in over your head at your at any point and and did you have to like reach out and ask for guidance at all
1: yeah i would ask for energetic assistance um and it would be individuals that you'll know that 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 and I'll, I'll keep that one. Michael and others like that. So some big boys out there. Um and yeah they would and that's where I first realized because I think oh come on this angel thing that's not real. But, you know I spun every story in my head which way but and again now I'm in such a point in my life where I don't have to um kind of walk around things. It is what it is. Nobody's writing my check. We're we're producing our own energy here and it comes so I can be totally blunt and honest. Those entities or energies again call them whatever you want exist because i would have those unbelievable situations happen where i'd be just in my so for the sake of the story officer me sitting there in my uniform i don't know a dozen um inmates around me blah 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 and then i need assistance energetically i don't say anything in my head you know because i have to be the you know the tough ceo hold my space there and all of that um it's not like there's a bunch of us there's like a hundred of them any one of us yeah
4: exactly you just drawn in a target for more of them
1: you get it yeah exactly so then i would i would have this chat with and michael's big one said Michael, i need this done over here please i'm not telling the exact way but i did that and then all of a sudden that inmate lived and this was i don't know how many times or stories stand up walk away go right to their cell and i wouldn't have to tell them to yard in which is a term or i'm yarding that's But officers would have to tell them to go to the cell if there's an issue. But anyway, uh uh-uh. Oh Michael come in and do that for me. I'd say yard this one in, yard that boom, boom. They just get they'd have to and so in 3D, I don't know, maybe they just randomly had to go to the bathroom. It's not, it was all an energy thing, but yes, I would bring in some help. Um, not to go rough and tough and beat these guys up, but to keep me afloat. So now think putting crazy Derek in the deep end of the pool energy wise, but keeping me just enough. Yeah, I'm gonna get yanked under and have to catch my breath, but I'm there to swim. I'm there to learn and experience because when I get out on the back end, you're now at Mystical Wares, doing all kinds of crazy energy stuff, and in such a place that people come in every day with unbelievable stories or happenings. Um, and everybody around me sees, and it's not a me thing; it's just a Mystical Wares or energy. It's really an energy thing. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a phenomenal training ground, and I won't get into all the stories now, but it was it was a lot. And yeah, I would have to bring in help. And that's even it wasn't, and I'll tell you, I wasn't the only one that was aware I was doing the energy thing because that's where those I don't think it was this podcast where I got into the whole um silent helicopter thing. Was, again, I do too many podcasts, so was, I never remember which one I'm on, but and that was a 3D thing where I didn't know these because I heard about it on podcasts. Oh, there's silent helicopters out there. Um, you know, I'm just listening to a show. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe they're baffled because I'm ex-military. So I can see, oh, maybe they're broadcasting the opposite frequency. And it's, you know, who knows? Crazy stuff running through my head. I was a perimeter off. And this is all in film. We had video. The whole black helicopter thing happens above me. Three of them. One is completely silent and all of that deal. Um, Again, I I always kind of cut myself off in these stories because I don't really know how boring they are if they're so off topic. But that stuff would happen there as well. that just
0: you wouldn't think could
1: would exist. No, I I, I, believe, I believe. Oh, the ET! Oh my gosh, ET! The UFO thing. You know, I hear the stories. You know, I get to the point in my head. Well, there's gotta be ETs, but I'm, I'm talking about decades ago. Um, so I wasn't like you know out there you know playing checkers with ETs in the fields or anything like that. I was I was a pretty typical individual, open minded one. But no, I didn't have you know I didn't have a bunch of abductions I could remember early on in life. Nothing like that. But and got there in my head after having realizations, I just had an uh, what I say, the aha moment. Go, well, of course there are. And then I'll tell you what, when we get there in our head with whatever the thing is we're talking about, in this case ETs, or it can be a miraculous healing, a placebo effect, like we talked about. Well, in the ET thing, all of a sudden, yep, I'd see a ship and straight up, well, I don't know, as far as I know, that ties in what we said earlier, physical, but for me, because it was clear as day. 300 inmates in the you know about 300 through to 300 inmates in the big yard it's called so just think they're ball field running around and i pull up to work and they again different shifts ufo above it and there's guards in the towers and these are all my posts as well so i was a tower guard and perimeter one um and they didn't see a thing but when i stopped the car to stare and look start l- trying to look in it disappeared kind of thing so that told me, so I had one of those moments that, well, wait a minute, it's just like the Sasquatch thing. You could be standing there, but they're not seeing it. And so, the best I can, because I didn't get psychic manual number five, whatever that is, telling me how this all works. So, I just try and put it together in my head. So, that told me I had to have been open enough to realize. And then, over a years of sessions in here, people coming in here hundreds, if not a couple thousand the stories I get of cars of people and um seeing UFOs and you know, some choose to acknowledge it, some not. It's just a thing. The more we realize or come to grips with it, it and this is also science, by the way, it straight up enters our reality. Um, and there's some documentaries that a friend of mine, uh, another podcaster, Nancy L. Hopkins, was here and I were chatting earlier about it. Um, and she just came across one of these synchronicities on one of these BBC documentaries, or whatever, showing that our mind fills in the blanks. And this has all been proven. And again, there's fancy words for it, I'm sure. Um, fancy uh that, that do that because our mind does fill in the blanks um and it's 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 interesting in a good way and bad way
0: so have you ever had one of those experiences with with a with a craft and zooming in to it that and you got there and it right and it wasn't an et like it was a human another human and i, I guess i'm leaning towards like a uh kind of like a legacy space force situation or i'm not i don't know if you've heard of solar warden before at all
1: um i've heard the term i don't i can't play okay so i'll just answer the question first um i've done that into what i've remoted in so okay remote perceived um in and (laughs) all and i've done it many times before that so i expected which i should never expect another lesson there um to see you know, jump in a graph, maybe have an et spot me, but maybe one of them, not a whatever, and just deal with it from there. um and which is usually not a big deal. Oh no, I got all of a sudden a face, so uh, a persona came at me. they, whoever they are, knew, and it was when I remote perceived off this planet, and I can't tell you where it was because I was going into a ship. so I thought it knew whatever it was, I'm just being as vague as I have to be. I'm not like keeping secrets there it knew i was remote perceiving and jumped right into my space and said you know and greeted me we had a little chat from there and it visually neck up it was just a head is all i really remember it was, it was and i it caught it knew i was doing that and that startled the heck out of me i'll tell you i'm a tough guy to startle too
3: <laughs>
1: uh, not just because of the prison thing for, for a lot of reasons i just i'm not a guy to get scared um and well not that i was scared but catch me off guard and that did it was just really unusual so now maybe you can fill in the blanks to me but what they did was they were basically telling me you're, you're trying to go a little too far and they knew that i wasn't just going to see stuff i was going to perceive it which means understand it what you can say download it i can do a lot of things like let's just say they'll call it psychometry or i think it's psycho um whatever it is when you sleep on a book um and you absorb the information and that's osmosis. the thing yeah. what is it osmosis is it, i guess it would be awesome okay yeah. um yeah. <clears throat> no that makes sense but i don't know what i do but when i do that remotely i i i get the more information because i know it's there and available and it's like again eating food you don't just smell it you taste it you touch it you feel everything's all at once um so yeah i've done that and come into somebody's trying to stop me um and i don't know if that's a solar word thing i don't know i've heard that you know secret space program and all that. Yeah. Um. Go ahead. <laughs> well, there is stuff on Solar Word, and I'll tell you that now, because I get stuff right this second as I'm glancing at it. So, I don't know if you want to ask anything or say anything.
0: Well, you, in a private conversation between you and I, some time ago, you had, you had shared with me something about uh, involving the moon and Shungite, and I don't know if that has happened already. I don't know if you, you pick up what I'm laying down, but is that something you can talk about now, or are we still waiting for that to happen?
1: I will let you know here, like, Two seconds. Oh, here we go right now. I'm looking to see what the lunar mission is doing. All right. Um, blah, 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 blah. It's on. And there's a whole website. No, I can't see anything yet. Um, It'll be there. I'll just say that. Um, there will be Shanghai on the moon. So, and I I, I really got to just stop talking right there. But here, this year. So, once certain things have left our atmosphere there's no stopping it so that's a good thing so that's why we just got to be kind of vague um so moving on yep moving on for now but we'll have stuff in the future to chat about oh we did make it our shungite made it into fukushima i'll tell you that well the government did that i got a whole study on that but and not because they heard me on a podcast saying it they're doing it because they realized the whole and it's not a shungite show we're doing everybody but we're, we just chatted about it for a minute um well, you know, I had people who went over to Fukushima. The whole, they didn't personally drop it in the nuclear plant. They got it in the whole province over there, and all the land and the areas and the containers. Uh, but the, I'll just say the government, they did because they they published in a news article went over there and used uh, shungite in Fukushima.
0: I recently started re-wearing my my shungite pendant. I hadn't been wearing it for for a number of months. You got stopped sometime during thirteen questions, but it's back on my chain now. It's a different one, not the original one I bought when I first ran into Derek, but it's still from Derek's store. Which, by the way, listener, you should totally go and check out the web store or the, the online store. I know if you can't get there physically, because he's in Mount Vernon, Washington, but the website is great. there has got tons of tons of cool stuff on there to look at. So go go get yourself some Shungites. Um But yeah, this isn't a promo for that necessarily. Um, Anybody else, new business, anything for the good of the group before we move on to the third segment dealing with uh, being impeccable with your word? No takers. Cool. Doing pretty good on time, so I'm going to take... I'm going to try to slow down with this one and not rush through it because we're talking about words, right? (laughs) So I summarized the, uh, the chapter into 21 bullet points, and I have two excerpts, excerpts to read from the book, which are less than a page. So hopefully this won't be too boring for you. So this is actually the first agreement that Don talks about, and it's it is being impeccable with your word. He says that this is the most important and the most difficult agreement to honor out of all four of them. Our word is the power that we have to create. And then he gives an example of the the gospel of John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and we all know that stuff, right? And then what came to my mind was the word abracadabra, because Adam and I did a whole slew of interviews on 13 questions uh, that were referrals from mark england right and his his whole thing was uh, the stories that we tell ourselves which ties in perfectly with what don miguel is talking about and uh one of the things that mark talks about is is the word abracadabra and just a quick google search it, it means aramaic right it means i i will create as i speak or with my word i create there's a few different translations to go from, but uh, something along those lines. So this is a very old, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is a very old idea that our word is very powerful. The third bullet point, intent manifests through the word. And if you'll recall, intent is one of the three masteries that Miguel talks about, the other two being awareness and transformation. The word is a force. It is a tool of magic, just like a sword with two edges. All of the magic you possess is based on your word. Your word is pure magic, and misuse of your words is black magic. The human mind is like fertile ground where seeds are continually being planted. One fear or doubt planted can create an endless drama of events. One word is like a spell, and humans use the word like black magicians, thoughtlessly putting spells on each other. Every human is a magician. We can either put a spell on someone or release someone from a spell. We cast spells all the time with our opinions. During what he calls our domestication, our upbringing, our childhood, right? During our domestication, our parents and siblings give their opinions about us without even thinking we believed these opinions and we lived in fear over these opinions they they've hooked our attention in this way and the first excerpt from the book comes from page 31 now let us see what the word impeccability means Impeccability means without sin. Impeccable comes from the Latin peccatus, which means sin. The im in impeccable means without, so impeccable means without sin. Religions talk about sin and sinners, but let's understand what it really means to sin. A Sin is anything that you do which goes against yourself. Everything you feel or believe or say that goes against yourself is a sin. You go against yourself when you judge or blame yourself for anything. Being without sin is exactly the opposite. Being impeccable is not going against yourself. When you are impeccable, you take responsibility for your actions, but you do not judge or blame yourself. From this point of view, the whole concept of sin changes from something moral or religious to something common sense. Sin begins with rejection of yourself. Self-rejection is the biggest sin that you can commit. In religious terms, self-rejection is a mortal sin, which leads to death. Impeccability, on the other hand, leads to life. Back to my bullet points. Uh, So this agreement will cause the truth to manifest in you. This agreement of being impeccable with your word, right, will cause the truth to manifest in you and it will clean out all the emotional poison that exists within you. Whenever we hear an opinion and believe it, we make an agreement and it becomes part of our belief system. People who love us do black magic on us, but they don't know what they do. This is why we must forgive them. They don't know what they do. These types of spells are difficult to break. The only thing that could break a spell is to make a new agreement based on truth. The truth is the most important part of being impeccable with your word. Gossip is like black magic at its... Well, gossip is, it's not is like. Gossip is black magic at its very worst because it is pure poison. We learned how to gossip by agreement, we learned that this is a normal thing to do. And people like to know why we learn this. And the reason that he gives is because misery loves company. And then he compares gossip to a computer virus. And it uses the same language or the same source code as the computer, but with harmful intent. And it can be transmitted or inserted into your program without your awareness. So again, we have the intent aspect and the awareness aspect popping up again, which are the masteries, the two other masteries besides transformation, which is what we're talking about now. So he continues. Imagine every single time others gossip to you, they insert a computer virus into your mind, causing you to think a little less clearly every time. Imagine this pattern spreading exponentially, over all the human race. They can only read information through conduits or through circuits, clogged with a poisonous contagious virus. This is what is called the matote, the chaos of a thousand different voices all trying to talk at the same time in your mind. Even worse are the black magicians who intentionally spread the virus like computer hackers. We receive gossip and spells from others, from outside of ourselves, but we also, we also receive those things from the way that we talk to ourselves, right? Which is what Mark England kind of gets into and helps, with, helps, helps people with, rewrite their stories, right? Once we understand what the Word is and does, and we make this agreement to be impeccable, we can begin to see that all the changes that are possible. But first, we will, see it will, we will see that it will be with how you deal with yourself first, and then later in how you deal with others. Being impeccable with your word will give you immunity from black magicians. And my last bullet point, you can measure the impeccability of your word by the, your level of self-love, and this is a, a directly proportionate relationship. And then to end, I have one last short excerpt from the end of the chapter. You can transcend the dream of hell just by making the agreement to be impeccable with your word. Right now, I am planting that seed in your mind. Whether or not the seed grows depends upon how fertile your mind is for the seeds of love. It is up to you to make this agreement with yourself. I am impeccable with my word. Nurture the seed, and as it grows in your mind, it will germinate more seeds of love to replace the seeds of fear. This first agreement will change the kind of seeds your mind is fertile for. Be impeccable with your word. This is the first agreement that you should make if you want to be free. If you want to be happy, if you want to transcend the level of existence that is hell, it is very powerful. Use the word in the correct way. Use the word to share your love. Use white magic, beginning with yourself. Tell yourself how wonderful you are, how great you are. Tell yourself how much you love yourself. Use the word to break all those teeny tiny agreements that make you suffer. And with that, that's the end of it. That's that's all I got for this one. Uh, initial thoughts.
1: I was it's interesting how they tied together um the gossip and spells, and how we yeah, um, so I not thought about it like that, and then how we do we cast our own spells on ourselves, and you know, just by in our own heads, limit ourselves, and that is the thing. Like I was even talking about that earlier, of course, once you have a realization or change your mind, well, then your literal reality can change. And mine did just literally by change. I I like to make the, the poor joke that you know it wasn't a, a special yoga pose I learned that that made the psychic stuff and the sight and all that get enhanced. It was really, literally just getting out of my own, and I'm not just in yoga. Um it's just really getting at, out of my own head or or kind of the opposite in there and just getting out of my own way. I should have turned that. Um and, and then more happened. And it wasn't anything i did it was just a realization so that's i'm just kind of tying together with that the spells that we do do that on ourselves um regardless of how we uh describe it um if we do affect ourselves and limit ourselves and then in the opposite as well
2: <laughs> yeah and i was gonna say every word counts right um to and for that matter for spells on yourself every every thought if you're really focused in on something that it, it'll probably manifest you know so um but that that being said every every word does does matter so if you're gossiping right you're talking about others experiences or other people instead of ideas or how to you know better communicate your ideas and it's uh, i noticed earlier that i was ending um you know my my thought or my trying to get an idea out with i guess or i suppose and i noticed that just I've, i've been trying to be more and more observant of of how i speak and it's funny because when I was saying that, it was, I was searching for the right word, and so, I don't know if Derek um, would agree with this, but the more um, time I've spent, you know, in the spirit world or those etheric realms, dealing with other energies, other consciousness, um, language is is very limiting. So, trying to describe some of these things finding the right word i don't know if you know re- just how i'm i'm oh, yeah. kind of stumbling on it now right it's uh it's really hard to get through the whole message that comes in on energetic waves right because it's more than words um when you really get into a point of understanding what what is trying to be conveyed and it's it's a practice much like anything else and so like derek was saying getting out of his own way creating the time and space to you know internalize it and embody it um am i, am I making any sense
1: <laughs> i know it's like we all have to invent a new vocabulary even to talk about mm-hmm. it you know i guess an analogy would be you know trying to go into a new a different country for the first time and all their spices are different how are you going to describe it you can't it's just i mean i mean maybe somebody could but i could um it's just a new experience a new thing and how do you know you have to wrap your head around it first of all and then try and articulate it and at least i'm not that highly educated where i have you know a whole lot to pull from but you know we all got to communicate in what we can call layman's terms anyway so and then mm-hmm. On the metaphysical levels ah, there's just so many aspects it's you can't it's yeah no i'm with you on that you can stumble and just try and get the overall meanings or the gist across
2: and but within that if you're if you're also being observant of how you're you know communicating and trying to improve upon that um consciously it for me anyway the the fewer the words, the better I suppose, and being impeccable with with that is i don't know English English has always sort of baffled me anyway as a language and
3: <laughs>
2: even though it's it's my first one, right? It's one of the weirdest languages when you start breaking it down, and especially if you've studied other languages and have a little bit of a handle on some how theirs are put together, right? English starts getting weirder and weirder.
1: Oh so, yeah. Yeah. It's fresh. I'm missing. Yeah. I lived in Germany for years. So that's an, you the know, languages. So it's, Oh yeah. And then the whole, uh, telepathy thing, you know, whole kind of not, but pivot here. It that's legit. So of course, I know you've experienced that too. So it doesn't matter who you're communicating with. It comes through and you get it in English or Mandarin or whatever you come with. their individual's, um, understanding. Um, but, and that's, That's the cool part about it, because you're not having to translate. Um, But it's just so much more in there, Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like trying to describe a person. Well, you, how do they feel? What do they look like? Is their personality? You know, there's just many aspects. So it's tough.
0: You could kind of say that Saint Anthony had some telepathic communication with that satyr he came across, because he was even amazed himself that he could understand the thing to begin with, right? So chances are, you know that. The thing's probably not speaking Greek or whatever, right? I mean, he's probably got and,
2: language. And it's interesting too because the whole—you know—I I don't want to get too caught up on the, the idea of uh, misusing your words as sin either. Because at some point, I read that that the word "sin" in in Greek was an archery term, and it was just that you missed the bullseye. So it's really not like putting putting a weight on yourself or casting yourself into hell for a sin is sort of silly because you're going to have an opportunity to shoot another arrow right and it's a practice being um with with language um attempting not to miss the mark right so
0: yeah like in, like the, the the whole the phrase everybody sins comes to mind right but during, during an interview I had with Dr. Tom Campbell on 13 Questions, one of the perspectives that he shared that I truly enjoy was that there are no mistakes, like there are no sins, right? The only, and it's, it's only a bad thing if you don't learn from it and you have to do it again, right? So it's not necessarily that sinning or missing your mark is a bad thing. It's a learning opportunity, right? And everybody needs to learn somehow, right? So it's not, it's, it's not, a lesson. Hmm? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's to kind of take off the weight of uh, damnation in hell and so so forth, right? It's not, it's not that serious.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not saying that. I think there's a little play of words going on there too with the whole less sin and yeah, yeah. It's all perspective anyway.
0: All right. Well, there was a little bit of a tie-in to what I wanted to, we talked about uh, covering the Celestine prophecy as our kind of next third third segment topic. I haven't really decided, I'm open to suggestions how to exactly tackle that, but within re, in reading about being impeccable with your word, the part where he says, uh, talks about our domestication and, our upbringing, how we learn to gossip, right, and we believe these opinions that we hear about ourselves from people that love us and that raise us, and how it hooks our attentions, right. This, all of these, all this talk reminded me of the four control dramas that James Redfield, well, is talked about in in the Celestine Prophecy. I won't say that he wrote about the four control dramas because I think that they're part of one of the insights, if I remember correctly. I know Ben's read read the book or watched the movie recently, so feel free to jump in if it doesn't sound correctly, but the
2: four um,
3: yeah.
2: yeah I haven't it's been a couple of years since i read it um and yeah i don't I don't know if I've watched the movie I had unsubscribe to a lot of a lot of things um the past little while so huh. I'm going to have to get caught up on that. Maybe we can talk about it next week while we're skipping a day, but get yeah. something set up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd appreciate that. If you want, if you want to tag team it, that'd be great. But right. the, uh, but during our, our dramatic, I don't know, that made me connect to the, uh, the two points, right? Like during our domestication, we have these control dramas that we develop on how to get energy from our surroundings, right? From our, from our parents. And we learn these things from a very young age, from, You know, how do we first get food, attention, love, warmth, you know, family dynamics growing up, all all this good stuff.
2: And, uh,
3: well, yeah.
2: And I was, I was just reading about how, um, especially young kids, right? Their, their auric field isn't fully developed and they are really dependent on their parents', um, energy field for, for protection and just overall you know being uh for the first few years um and it was uh, the art it was written by a parent so it was you know they were like it explains why you're always so tired you know gaining your body your body gains weight and carries it different because you're carrying a lot of extra energy and stuff like that so um it sort of makes sense too that you would learn just from being around that kind of energy it it would um you're gonna you're gonna pick up on on whatever that imprint is right absolutely
0: yeah so i don't remember them off the top of my head but good thing it's not the topic for this particular podcast but in in researching or discovering those those four control dramas is very. Very, very helpful tool to decipher really the the inter- past interactions that you've had with with people uh, the with, you know throughout your life, right? Not you in particular, Ben, but the proverbial you, right? <clears throat> and like uh, I guess another thing that popped out to me when I was making these notes is that uh, he emphasizes the forgiveness, right? Forgiveness is important when going back and rewriting our past, rewriting the stories that happened to us because these people, they don't, they're they are doing are casting spells without intent or without awareness, right? I mean, they're having an effect, but they're not thinking all the way through and it's not their fault, right? They, you know, I know, ignorance of the laws and it isn't an excuse but it doesn't mean that we still can't forgive right
4: (laughs) well i mean just thinking changes the world around you look at the Mm -hmm. random number generating experiments marketing works so yeah in a sense (laughs) it's not always your fault sometimes you walk a watch a commercial and it makes you think a bad thing and next thing you know you think you got lymphoma
2: (laughs) it is just you know all the frequency of it right it's those energy waves going out um, not just because there's not the awareness of it, yeah, or the it's the intention that counts, right?
0: Oh, back to the intention, master. Mm-hmm. So, to to capstone our exploration of the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, I wanted to give myself something to be reminded of the four agreements. So I went on, this arrived today in the mail, of course, perfectly. Perfectly. Uh, I went on Etsy and I found this this little art print of the four agreements. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. I know this is a visual or audio-only podcast, but I'm showing everybody else that's here. And it's, it's uncolored, so I thought my wife was suggesting maybe color it and make it into a little meditation. But I'm going to ha- hang this right and uh, right above my computer desk right here so I'll be having that in, in front of me continually as we move forward uh with this working so and I would invite all the listeners to 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 uh, maybe adopt the four agreements if it sounds uh, something that you want to to try to do right to uh, to master the, the art of transformation of alchemy I think these are four very Practical steps to take, which is why uh, we kind of decided to cover it in the third, the third segment to be inspirational and to to shed some more light on aspects of consciousness and how we can deal with it. So I hope you hope you all enjoyed our little exploration from uh, the workings of Don Miguel. I do believe that he came out with another book recently, or since that you know, after that one got published and there might be a fifth agreement. So uh, we might revisit Mr. Ruiz in the future. Do we uh, have any, any parting thoughts from the chrononaut primes at all before we wrap up this evening?
3: Well, I think I'm I'm
1: good. I appreciate how you know how we do love. Yeah, absolutely. I had a great time.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you all for joining me for another installment of the working that is Chrono Night Chronicles. And like I said, we will be skipping next week because it is Memorial Day, not only Memorial Day, but I'll be traveling for a wedding. So wish me luck there. I wish you all a happy and healthy holiday weekend. And until next time, Chrononauts, Carpe, diem.